Ageism is the stereotyping, prejudice and discrimination against people on the basis of their age. Ageism is widespread and an insidious practice which has harmful effects on the health of older adults. For older people, ageism is an everyday challenge. Overlooked for employment, restricted from social services and stereotyped in the media, ageism marginalizes and excludes older people in their communities. Ageism is everywhere, yet it is the most socially normalized of any prejudice and it is not widely countered, like racism or sexism. These attitudes lead to the marginalization of older people within our communities and have negative effects on their health and well-being. So that's a quote from the World Health Organization on ageism, obviously, and I'm John Fanning, and this is the Create with John Fanning podcast. How's it going? I uh, hope you're all doing well out there. And this is episode 13 of my series of episodes on imagination and thus creativity uh, based around my book, Create. Uh, last time I spoke about courage, uh, trolls and human walls. But today I want to talk about ageism and retirement. So for decades, uh, I used to always read a writer's bio first, even before the first line of the of their book. Even I was obsessed with age. You know the idea that what age was she when she got her first novel published, or what age was she when she got her second one out there? And the nearer she was to my age, the more relieved I became I would sigh and say oh that's good I still can uh, or still have some time so why was this well because because I along with so many young people are obsessed with this wall of age and early achievement and I used to see myself as a failure because I hadn't published a novel earlier and this is the culture that we live in. Uh, you're supposed to come out with something wonderful in your 20s and when you've barely even experienced life. And this can have really bad or negative side effects. And I've seen many writers who had early success and they never had another thing published. Uh, there were many different reasons for this. Trying to reproduce the same thing which made them successful and then being called derivative and not being able to write another book for over 10 years because of the pressure they felt to perform the same way again and as a young writer I was a somewhat uh, bitter individual I'm not not too sure I'd like to have a conversation with that young man (laughs) he was fun to be around but he, he hated a lot of things uh, he was a an angry intellectual uh, or a bitter intellectual railing at everyone who'd, who'd sold out. Back then I had no idea about story. I just did what I thought I was supposed to be doing. I wrote and wrote and wrote and, and got angrier the older I got, especially the more I saw badly written books getting out there or getting published. But But now... Um, I'm so grateful that my earlier books 
or novels were never published. And why is that? Well, because I was young, they and uneducated in the in the practicalities or craft of what it is that I create, uh, such as um, those books. They they lacked story. They lacked craft, and they they lacked an emotional intelligence that I think comes for a lot of us with age. Some people are emotionally intelligent when they're younger, but I think the vast majority of us are. Are not that evolved when we're young, and um, so yeah. So this is not to say young writers aren't valuable. There are many wonderful books published by people in their twenties, but but now I'm glad I, it didn't happen for me because it's allowed me to grow or evolve, and so allowed my writing to evolve in private, not in public, where oftentimes you're you're punished for not putting something wonderful out into the world your first time out and every time after that it's like a a film editor friend of mine once said to me uh, he said I, I don't mind if this movie is a failure John because the spotlight's on the director not the editor I have the time to grow with my craft a director has to hit it every time out the door first time out the door and most directors can't sustain that movie after movie. So that friend is a very successful film editor now, but when I met him first, he was doing these indie documentaries that nobody really saw, not big budget movies. So the, for the majority of creative fields, there's there's this pressure to hit, hit it out of park the first time out just after you get out of college uh, with your your first creation. Well, that's a wrong-headed and destructive way of thinking and being in the world. And it can only lead to anxiety and depression or even worse. And it, it was only recently I discovered uh, Charles Bukowski and Raymond Chandler and J.L. Carr didn't didn't publish their first novels until they were into their 50s. I think it was like 51. And even J.R. Tolkien was 62 when The Lord of the Ring books came out. And Harriet Dorr didn't publish her first novel, The Stones of Ibera, until she was 74. And this is just novels. If you think of memoirs like Frank McCourt's Angela's Ashes, which was written in his 60s, after decades of being a teacher, it's the same thing. And then there's drama. At uh, 41, Beckett thought he was a failure. He'd had one novel published, Murphy, and it was forgotten, basically. And his career in academics was abandoned in shambles. Uh, he went home to take care of his mother in Dublin, where he realised, and that's when he realised what he really needed to do. The beginnings of what he'd done in Roussillon in the south of France came alive, uh, which was waiting for Godot. And then there's another kind of absurdist playwright, Ian Esco, a kind of favourite of mine. He didn't write his uh, breakthrough play, uh, The Ball Prima Donna, until he was 40. And nobody liked it. They didn't understand it. They didn't laugh because it was just too far ahead of its time. 
It was only later that people started to enjoy his play. So there's this kind of mental wall that hits you with with this um, this voice. As always, uh, these walls have got these uh, aggravating noises or uh, voices in your head. And, oh, it'll take too long. And I'm too old to start writing or painting or designing or whatever it is that you want to create. Or I should give up. I should have produced something when I was much younger, you know. Well, frankly, that's that's just crap, you know. The mind-ego building yet another wall. And this idea of being too old to start is, is just ridiculous, really. You know, someone like Picasso never stopped. He paints it until he was, like, 91. Literally until 3 in the morning, a few hours before he died. Um, Frank Frank Lloyd Wright designed, uh, Stravinsky composed, and Sophocles wrote, Oedipus um, and Colonus, all into their 90s. And then uh, people in their 80s, someone like Georgia O'Keeffe lost her vision, couldn't, could no longer paint, and she began making pottery. Or Willie Nelson and Zhao uh, Gilberto, uh, are still still performing in their 80s. And Quincy Jones is still producing music in his 80s. So this idea of retirement, it's just, again, wrong-headed. Like, what the hell are people retiring from? Life? Like, why bother living anymore if, you, if you're going to retire from it? You know, it's... Why not create something instead? Why not recreate not retire. Are you really that tired? Or only tired because society says you are? So I, I think there's a, a frame of consciousness or a way of, of, of being that we need to redirect our consciousness or awareness towards just reframing or not going into these lexical prisons again of oh I have to retire because I'm this age or I can't do this because I'm this age uh, you kind of see it in young programmers or or more what they call now programmers and it, and certain unwritten company policies from this tech generation um, are even more willing to retire people um, in his book uh, disrupted my misadventure in the sta- the startup bubble. This guy Dan Lyons says that the the tech industry are actually firing people at forty now. They're too old for the programmers. These programmers, these kind of uh, guys that are looking at people in their forties as the greys. They actually call them the greys, and this is crazy. You know, it's just another form of ageism. So. So what do we say to this? Uh, how do we combat this as such? Uh, don't be ageist. Uh, saying geezer is prejudicial. Old coot too. Uh, so calling someone decrepit is the same thing. I, I used to do it myself. I used to call people older than me geezers. And as with all them pro- programmers in Silicon Valley, I, I did it because of the same... of of the one thing we really know about life and that we're going to die and as the Romans used to say uh, 
you know, the fear of death terrifies me. Timor mortis contabat me, you know. And what reminds you of death? Old people. So we need to get them out of our sight, not to listen to them or learn from them or let them inspire us to be even more creative because they're a reminder of where we're going to be at as opposed to somebody can that can inspire us and help us to navigate our creativity or uh, or how to embrace our imagination and i'm not saying old age makes a person wiser but as hemingway wrote in farewell to arms it it does make them more careful <laughs> so just because the body fades doesn't mean what's inside the body does not have some incommunicable wildness that was there 50 years before it's about how old you feel not how old you actually are so don't be ageist you're only insulting your future creative self <laughs> again uh, the world health organization uh, has started four studies to define ageism and to discover ways to combat it and in their fact file, they, they say, this file called Misconceptions on Aging and Health, they say one myth is that mandatory retirement ages don't, don't actually help create jobs for young people or for youth. Quote, uh, policies enforcing mandatory retirement ages do not help create jobs for youth, but they reduce older workers' ability to contribute. They also reduce an organization's opportunities to benefit from the capabilities of older workers. Age has not been shown to be a reliable indicator for judging workers' potential productivity or employability. So they also cite uh, surveys in the United States that found the majority of people approaching traditional uh, retirement age do not actually want to retire. But still, many countries or industries have mandatory retirement ages. And these discriminatory practices should be abolished. People should be allowed to participate creatively in whatever they want until whatever they, whenever they want. Even if someone decides working isn't a creative or passionate practice for them, then Retirement from work shouldn't mean waiting to die in the living room. <laughs> Life isn't about sitting down all day doing nothing, uh, staring at the TV with your hands crossed. When you're older, you don't you don't have to make as much money to pay for the mortgage, the kids, the bills, all that. If anything, when you stop working for the man, it's an ideal time to start creating. It's an opportunity, uh, an opportunity to create, to do what you always never had time to do not to vegetate like are you a vegetable or a, or are you a human being a creative being it's also a, an opportunity to help to be of service to others to help others create to become what the hindus call a forest dweller to actually go out into the forest and bring back your wisdom to give to the rest of the world what you've learned from your householding years of bringing up a family going out and working for the man and then taking some time off afterwards 
maybe you do go out on a cruise or go to some strange place and do something to help people in Africa or something like that. And then you come back with, with a newfound meditative knowledge, what what the Hindus call Vanaprastha. And, you know, we could be doing art classes with a grandchild or a daughter, uh, writing a journal of your life for your grandchildren, or helping people in in your community, anything like that. Uh, so, for example, was poetry woven into your life from childhood, but then family and work and householding took over? Uh, for for a 74-year-old woman who goes to Lemuse every year, this, is, this was exactly the case. She didn't even consider becoming a poet, you know, an inverted commas poet, like that was for her Whitman or T.S. Eliot. They were the pinnacle for her. But when she retired from a wage work, she, she knew she wanted to write poems. It just came to her. She was, like, inspired. So she went to Lemuse. Um, and for any of you who don't know, that's our retreat in the south of France that we founded about 20 years ago now. And uh, we sold, and it's still going, thankfully. Anyway, uh, so she went to Lemuse, and the first time, and she with a book called Poetry as a Spiritual Practice, and worked through it like a text, uh, educating herself. And since then, she hasn't stopped. Um, they, uh, both, both life and her poems, have only gotten better and better with time for her. So, say no to retirement. Resist ageism. And if you're younger, try to have compassion for people with older bodies. Just because their bodies are old doesn't mean their hearts are no longer young. And just because your body is young doesn't mean you have to create a masterpiece in your 20s. So the imagination is not about age, but about patience, compassion and consistency. So no don't don't compare your age to others and don't retire create create instead so that's what i wanted to, to uh say this time around uh, again short and sweet sweet like the last one uh which i shall make up for in the next one because it's going to be rather long uh because it's on capitalism and success and competition um so letting you off lightly this time uh, with a short one. So thanks for listening. Uh, I started with a quote from the World Health Organization. And as usual, I'm going to end with an Irish proverb. And this one means, uh, you does not care where it sets its foot. Its foot. <laughs> and it goes, Is come lesh on oiga, lagan, she akos. So as I always say, this podcast is supported by you, the listener, via my Patreon page. And if you want to support it and help me out with uh, producing it, uh, it's patreon.com forward slash John Fanning. John Fanning. And uh, you can get, you know, early early access the day before and i'm going to try and put up extra episodes there as well and if you can afford it then uh, 
you know, donate to support it. And if you can't, that's fine, but try and subscribe to it on iTunes or leave a review on iTunes so that the listenership grows. And uh, if you need to contact me or if you want to get in touch with me with the old social stuff at Instagram and all that stuff, uh, you can go to johnfanning.me. And the podcast is under podcast, obviously. Uh, so it's been great uh, sharing stuff with you today. Um, so until next time when I start banging on about capitalism and creativity or the imagination, take care of yourself and try to be as benevolent as you can. So, Sean Liv, August Gunnarion Borlev. <laughs>